brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by American Yogi. In a world increasingly driven toward the grind, find your outlet for peace. American Yogi is a mindfulness-based apparel and wellness brand with international retreats, free classes, and rad clothing and accessories to support you along life's journey. Find American Yogi on Instagram at liveamericanyogi or at americanyogi.com. American Yogi is proud to support the Brass and Unity podcast and its community with the code BRASS15. Join the mindful counterculture. Live American Yogi. La la la. La 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 la. That sound check is forever my favorite. Thank you, Tear. I appreciate it. Everyone, Tear's back on the show. Here I am. He's here. If you don't know who Tear is... Well, there's a lot to this man we could kind of go over. Um, if you don't know who Tier is, you need to go check him out um, on his social media, which is? Uh, I'm on Instagram at uh, redleader underscore standing by. And it is one of my favorite follows, and it's my favorite follows because it you give really cool information, not only about organizations, but you give really cool information about mental health in a different way. And... I love that you are vulnerable enough to put your writing out there and those things because you're a writer. You're also still serving active member of the United States military. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you work with Black Rifle. Yep. You work with organizations everywhere across America to help individuals. And you're a good human being in the community. So I, I like talking to you. We had you on the Mental Health Monday before. And if people aren't sure, no, I didn't move my uh, set into a hotel. This is temporary right shot show. Uh, for the 2023 show there was only fans right before this it was just convenient yeah 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 i like thank you yeah thank you i only fans reference in the first five minutes that's really what i was going for it took a minute and a half so that's fantastic <laughs> there's nothing like having people like you on the show <laughs> i wanted to talk to you though if i can get my papers sorted out oh my god if you're watching yeah, this yeah. i look like an incompetent for your canadian friends the papier oh, there we go yeah papier avec le stylo Oh, look at you yes, go with the bon French. Yeah. Listen, I think you and I became friends a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And we became friends because you and I are, were on a journey to work on ourselves right. and make our lives better. 
and not just make our lives better for ourselves but for those around us and you're a father you have children your tiny human is no longer tiny no she will forever be tiny in my head in my heart but no when they grow to the age that yours is turn 16 on tuesday what happens what happens now um a lot of uh bargaining okay more with myself than like back and forth with the teenager right although that happens as well you know but there's there's like this this process of letting go while still parenting um, I'm not there yet. Mine's too little to fully let go. He wouldn't come back if you let him go. He's not quite seven. You got to keep him on a leash. We got to work on that with yeah. the wild one. But girls, especially in this day and age. So with my daughter, <clears throat> we're we're closer now than we ever have been. Well, maybe not ever. Um, I would say probably in our preschool years, we're mm-hmm. we're wicked tight. <laughs> you guys were bros. But uh, I spent a good portion of her childhood being gone mm-hmm. and um you know it was for a cause but it was still absentee par- parenting right and um like a good parent you know i'm pretty sure i've messed up all my kids in some form or another that's that's just standard i think but when you've got a dad that's a green beret and you know a life of government service it's a especially in a time of war that's a whole different thing to to challenge throw my phone somewhere i know i'm uh, oh, gonna do you? the same that, oh, was, that was you it was alana okay. stott i feel better thanks alana no yeah. it's okay it's it is the season so yeah um so it's taken both of us to have some vulnerability right to allow each other into each other's lives it's not that i'm not trying but there's this fear of, it's weird i'm her dad and i have a fear of rejection in parenting is that what do you think that stems from? Is that something that comes from your past? Is that something? It comes from uh, guilt from being gone, honestly. There's, right. there's guilt from being gone, and, uh, you know, I know better than to um, – there, there's a, a historically an issue with it doesn't matter if it's mom or dad. They go away on a deployment, and they come back, and their family – I've said this. I said this on Gage's podcast. You know, it's like you, it's like you were in a time capsule. You experienced what you experienced wherever it was that you were deployed. Your family has learned to live without you for that time period, and they've got a whole system down of their pattern of life. And now you come in and – do we cuss on this podcast? Yeah, 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 we okay. do. You come in and you fuck the whole thing up. Right. They're, they're happy to see you, but I think any military spouse out there will say there are times when you're like, can you just fucking deploy again? You are really throwing a wrench in, in these gears. Well, there's something to be said about knowing that you're going to be deploying again. And Mm -hmm. it's not that this was a one-time deal and we get adjusted and we go back. There's the conversation of you're gone, you're back. We know you're going to go again. And that constant rigmarole and change and upset in someone's life, whether it's necessary or not, that's the sacrifice that's being made. And when people see military families, they don't, often in my opinion or from what i've seen they don't often take into account maybe what's going on in the family at home Mm -hmm. so they're not seeing that it's not just a service member that's struggling that family now has gone through its own type of trauma where it's almost like depending on the type of deployment the father has died for lack of a better example you're gone you're not there and that's hard to come back from yep 
Yeah, and especially if it's over and over. I mean, she grew up knowing how to live without her dad. Right. You know, and now she has her dad. Yeah. And um, so on the parenting side, that's difficult because I need to be her dad. Mm-hmm. I can't be afraid to be that mentor, that father figure in her life. Right. And thank God I don't need it that often, but that disciplinarian as well. Um, but especially on the discipline side, you have to, gosh, it's almost like working with a problem horse. Not saying my daughter's a problem horse, but if if you just go straight aggressive and authoritarian, right. like authoritarian title, you, that is not going to work. You'll get what you need to get done right then and there, mm-hmm. but is not going to do anything for your overall relationship. And it's she's going to trust you less with other things, which as being teenagers, we know are going to happen. And long-term gain. You're not getting yeah. anything in the long term because they're, that's a sticking point. They're seeing you now not only as the person who is um, – maybe overreacting in it right. in the second or angry about something rather than the yeah. person that they can talk to about a situation. And to that, a lot of what she remembers about me from her younger years is me being angry. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily with her. In general. Just in general. Because I was – the first time I took a break from deploying was 2010. I graduated the Q course in 2003. Oh, wow. And I deployed so – I graduated in April and I deployed in July for a year. So, and she wasn't born yet, but that was the first trip in a cycle of trips. Mm-hmm. Um, I contracted off and on for a long time as well. So the first time I took a break, I hadn't been home longer than three months consecutive since graduating special forces school. Jesus. Yeah. I, I often yeah. wonder if the, because the way the United States does its rollovers with special operations and with um, their community members, if that's why the burnout is what it is. I mean, it, it was, um, SOCOM has, uh, honest, they've, they've actually done a decent effort. They put a decent effort into, um, recognizing that family is part of readiness. And if that family structure falls apart, then your overall readiness falls apart. Yep. Um, so, you know, they've, They've adjusted deployment cycles for special forces and um, even how often you can be at school. They call it pillow time. Like how long have you been away from your own pillow mm. on the on the dwell? Um, now, I'm part of a special population. Okay. That, uh, I'm in the office space of special operations. Okay. And the problem, Bob, is I have four bosses. Uh. So being in the National Guard and special forces, I have the same mission sets. Our schools are the same. Um, and our deployment uh, cycles are the same, but this is something that SOCOM probably doesn't realize, or if they do, <laughs> they're just not paying attention to it because it's going to create a big headache. So deployment cycles. <laughs> yeah, deployment cycles. So the the, the kind of a unicorn, mm-hmm. not myself personally, but people in, in my specific uh, career field, 19th and 20th group guys, because the the SOCOM tracks dwell time by individual on the active side, but they track it by unit on the National Guard side. And right. Guard guys have a lot more control over where they do or don't go, and they can switch around to different units and whatnot just by moving. Um, so there's a lot more control over what they do in their own lives. Right. That's great for... 
having a ready force, especially with the up-tempo that Special Operations had. It's bad for guys that are chasing that dragon for the next deployment, which I've had as a leader in Special Forces, and I've done it myself. Right. The guys just chasing deployments and, and card whoring, and they never, you know, they're, they're, inevitably their families do fall apart because they spend the whole time gone. But they do promote that. I mean, on some level, the United States military has to promote it because if they don't, if they were to stop people from chasing the dragon, they would have no one. Yeah, that's true. So there is some culpability in it. And I mean, obviously there is with the individual as well, but it's a, it's hard to watch it happen. It's necessary. Obviously there's bad guys in the world, period. Right. They're going to be, have to be dealt with. And for those who think that just because the war on terror is over, that there still isn't bad people that want to see. Still plenty busy. Plenty still, busy. And we are always, we are always going to be busy. Even, with a big budget cut, right? Which, which we got this year. How big? It was significant. Substantial. Yeah. Whole unit, whole regiment, whole. Well, we few didn't cut states. the. We didn't cut the people. We just mm. cut the money for. Mm-hmm. For training, so um, even with that, we're, you know, the mission doesn't change, um, just because the regiment as a whole is less kinetic. Right. We're still very very busy. Yeah, there's things going on, especially yeah. if you're if you're not in the field and you're working on the back end of things. There's always things going on in cyber. Yeah, well, we don't we don't specifically have a cyber mission, but yeah, <laughs> you just get information from them. Right. It's fine. <laughs> it's just down the chain. My point is, there's no shortage, and no. when you have things like that, if you were to promote a more healthy way of doing things, minimal amount of deployments and things like that, and put people first, it would be Harmful on the back end somewhere else. Either well, way. it's a it's kind of a catch twenty two because um, you know one of the soft truths is soft forces can't be mass produced. Right. So we only have so many bodies, mm-hmm. and when certain special forces groups get in the news for doing certain things that oh get that one binds, recently yeah can that, we talk about that I mean I don't really know much about it okay but other than what's in the headlines I mean I know okay. a couple of rumors here and there that I actually won't I definitely won't won't repeat <laughs> won't repeat right yeah everybody's proven innocent until proven guilty well, I, will, I will say that we've seen special operations be targeted before we've seen other units being targeted but this one's a little this this thing was a little different though yeah you yeah. know underage and yeah and I think honestly from the conversations I've had and people that have reached out to me, I think the general public and the special operations community as a whole kind of feels, at least on the veteran side, kind of feels like that they don't really care about the drugs quite as much. It was the underage stuff that it was like, no, no, you, no, no, no. Listen, we all know you're a grown adult. What, what, who is it, Dr. Carl Hart, who talks about, you know, adults like you should be decriminalizing everything everyone should be able to do what they want to do Mm -hmm. treat people like adults and that means ingestion of certain substances but that's a choice as an adult so yeah when you're looking at people doing drugs on their spare time yes they're special operators but to think that because you're a special operator that you are always clean shaven and perfect and dialed every time you're out of your goddamn mind because those are the people that are doing the things in the dark that most people wish that they could never even dream of so you're going to blow off steam somehow but you the line has to be drawn when when any sort of underage behavior or child behavior or women in abusive situations or traffic like that is just and that's kind of the pinnacle of all that right but really what we're talking about is things that cause cause harm to other people period period that's simple yeah and that's that's really kind of the the that's the sad part on any type of substance as well i mean 
it's not harming you long term, right? And it's not harming other people. Then what exactly is the issue? Uh, personally, if I don't, I'm less concerned about drug use and more concerned about why there's drug use. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it always stems from something. Yeah. And whether it's drug use, alcohol abuse, whether it's uh, certain promiscuity behaviors in life, everything stems from something. And now more than ever, they're understanding that childhood trauma on on, on tiny levels, but peppered throughout, Mm -hmm. can really make for a difficult adulthood Mm -hmm. and it can cause behaviors to stem. We understand that. But those behaviors still are your responsibility to look after. It's whether or not you're aware and conscious of those behaviors so that you can go and change that. um, Or you're just being placated to and no one's acknowledging that that's a problem that you're not addressing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. The thing that's hard for me, especially within the military, is there's so much baked in trauma just to the profession. And... I can say this now, but I couldn't when I was in it as much. But you do have to take some responsibility for your trauma and your things that have happened to you. And you cannot you cannot be a go-getter in the military and do the things you do in the service and then not give yourself enough effort. Like it just takes a little effort. Most of the time you just need to be pointed in the right direction or you just need someone to hold your hand through a process to get you to the point where you can realize, okay, I can get better. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you have to be, you have to be led and there's, there's a trauma baked into why everyone does everything. But I think it's our responsibility too, from within the community, which we do not do enough of. We're starting to see, finally, we're starting to see people stepping up and going and influential people in the community. I'm not talking about the, the charities that have always been doing the hard work and have always been, there for others like boot campaign and and defenders of freedom and heroic hearts and vets i'm talking about people who are within the community that have names that haven't used their platforms at any point in time up until very recently when it can be beneficial to them to help others Mm -hmm. or show others how to get better are you talking about in the veteran community specifically or more uh you know Famous people like Hollywood. Types both. I think okay. both. Because look, mental health is sexy, period. No one's trying to pretend it's not. It is a topic of conversation because of COVID. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The reason why people actually are starting to care about the suicide rate in the veteran community has nothing to do with anything changing the veteran community other than the number going up to 44 a day. Mm-hmm. They care because Sally and Bobby and Billy down the street are struggling for mental health. And so now... They see that this is not just something that affects first responders, military members. They're like, oh, shit, this can affect the teacher. This can affect the mom. This can affect the construction worker. COVID fucked people up. And anyone who doesn't acknowledge that. It did. And I think we've got a lot of TikTok diagnosis going on right now as well. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Blind, 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 blind. It's a problem. So my point is it's, it's on both sides. There's... There needs to be more accountability, in my opinion, on both sides when it comes to mental health and how it's being used and how people are not not talking about it enough, 
Now they are because it's helpful to them, but they're not talking about it in the way that's actually going to help anyone. Yeah. They're just talking about it in a way that's going to benefit them. As a platform or as a patient? As a platform. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, we're, we're Sarah McLaughlin's caged puppies. I don't care. I'll say it. I'll be caged puppies all day. <laughs> I think veterans can do a better job of helping within the community of each other. Did I say that right? You're Canadian. Was it McLaughlin? Or Mc- I just let it Mc- go. McLaughlin. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Yeah. McLaughlin. Yeah. Okay. McLaughlin. Yeah. Because we're at Shot Show. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're at Shot Show. We're at Shot Show. I'm sure she's out there walking the floor. She's for sure walking the floor. Yeah. I mean, this is her crowd. This is, this is her platform. This is her crowd. <laughs> this is who she aims for. She aims for those, the, the veterans who don't sleep at night, mm-hmm. that watch the commercials. The yeah, of an angel. <laughs> and then you see the puppy with the sad face. It's just me in my, That's my right. serious cool cage That's looking you. over. So, oh, see, that would be, that would make for a good, uh, that, would, that would be a great parody video. <laughs> you're, you're welcome, Black Rifle. <laughs> I'm just saying, I have ideas. The... The thing that I, I'm, I am optimistic in seeing is that more, more than ever, people are realizing that they are struggling. Yeah. And it's not so much like, let's drink a bottle of Jack to cope. They're like, hey, this is a problem now. Why do you think that is? <sighs> I have a theory. Tell me. Yeah. I like theories. Yeah. Go. Rather than making you think why I asked that question it's it's because I have something to say please tell me yeah so I think it it's in a word I think it's inertia Ooh, okay we've been going hard for 20 years you know the, the GWAT multiple multiple theaters and uh, Iraq is still going you know Iraq part three is still going do people know that bit, that we're still in Iraq yeah I don't know. Do, do you guys know that? Do you guys know that we're in, still in Iraq? <laughs> I didn't know that. What? Yeah. I figured. I know we're still all over. Yeah, Operation Inherent Resolve is still going. Oh, right. Yeah. So what did Biden do? Uh, you took with the Afghan pullout. Oh, so we did Afghan, but we did, but we went back to Iraq? No, we were in Iraq while we were in Afghanistan. So did we just shift all of our stuff over there? Uh, no. So there was, you had Desert Storm. Right. Then you had, if we really want to go far back, we can talk about how we propped up uh the regime that ended up becoming Saddam Hussein and whatnot. I do. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. <laughs> that's, that's way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably misquote a lot of things. That's okay. Misquote's okay as um, long as I get to hear the stories. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we had Desert Storm. And right. And we had uh, Operation Desert Springs. Okay. Which was the springboard for Iraqi freedom. Okay. We had Iraqi freedom for years. Yeah. And then we pulled out. Okay. Uh, and all, all during that time, we still had Operation Enduring Freedom. Afghanistan, which later switched into Operation Freedom Sentinel in Afghanistan. Okay. But during the Freedom Sentinel years, we had Inherent Resolve, which was not so much about Iraq as it was Syria, but it was also Iraq. And so Inherent Resolve was still <laughs> So going. we never left Iraq. <laughs> yeah. So what you're telling me is we never, ever left Iraq. Not, not fully, no. Okay. So what was the whole point of the we're leaving Iraq campaign then? Where were we going with that? So... You asked a question. I said, oh, do you have a theory on that? Yeah. And setting myself up to sound really smart. And now We're talking I'm, I'm about showing how Iraq. my memory sucks. That's okay. It's TBI stuff. It's yeah, fine. I was in the war. That's, we have this, we've said this excuse twice <laughs> yeah, now. I was, I was in the war. It's a good excuse. I mean, was, I was in the war. It works every time. I'm going to wear a big old VFW hat. I'm just you should start wearing your medals. I should. With, with all of your button-ups. Yep. Just like the striped ones. Just 
Tiny ones, little right. ones. I'm going to just start, and this is for the Americans. I'm, I'm just going to start wearing my, my Natty D, my National Defense Medal, because oh. my national, they stopped issuing it. So National Defense Service Medal. Okay. You just have to be uh, enlisted in a time of conflict. You don't actually have to go do anything, but you volunteered for service in a time of conflict, which, you know, kudos to you for doing uh, Okay. But no big deal. I have two of them. Oh. Yeah. Did you just... Because I had listened drop? a long time ago. That's, oh. that's why. Okay. But uh, they decided this actually isn't a time of national defense. So they stopped issuing it like, I don't know, a month ago. Oh, so like the people. Oh, so that's what I've been seeing like Keegan and Kagan and everyone posting yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. So now <coughs> when you come out okay. of Army basic training, you just have the rainbow ribbon. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. Whoa. And for a while, you could graduate as a private and you'd end up with like four ribbons. See, that's what I hate. You know what I hate about hanging around Americans is you guys have cooler medals than us. Yeah. Like, you guys get a medal for everything. Like, I have one medal. I have one medal. Yeah. I know dudes who have served in Afghanistan. Excuse me. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Not even going to edit that out. Uh, I have dudes who have served Afghanistan handfuls of times Mm -hmm. from Canada. One medal. Well, how many do you need? I mean, like, how many do you guys need? I mean, if I'm going to get my my Applebee's discount, all of them. But it sounds like you don't even need them to get the Applebee's discount. I think that no, isn't every American a veteran. Yeah, uh, and we take Eagles to work. I know you do. Except you send in me... Portland, Seattle, and San Francisco. That's where the pretty much come. the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happens though? You send me memes. Yeah. Have, of I... Eagles eating goose. Yeah. Like goose. a psychopath. It's like a threat. That's like a direct threat. That's a national security threat. I want you to it's know that. Canada is America's hat. That's uh, how many times have I said that? I don't know, but I, I do recall me telling you a couple of weeks ago that just to flip it around and play at you a little bit, okay. give you some pride that America was Canada's pants. Yeah, and you're on fire all the yeah, time. Yeah, all the time. See, it did it again, there guys. Is. We're we're having problems. How are you going to see my pretty face? I don't know, and I need to figure out what's going on with that. Because they can open YouTube on their government computer, but they can't actually have like their phone with them or right. whatnot. For you, for those of you who just wondered why we just went from a hardcore cut tangent there, it's because I was telling government secrets, and I, I I had to just stop him. And she was like, "Whoa!" I had to make him stop. Whoa. I had to stop. And I'm we, Canadian, and I know this is secret. We were talking. Well, listen, we got to talking about gooses and geeses and uh, eagles, and then it just went off and. You know, you were starting to talk about how you guys smuggle things and eagles across our border, and that's how you really, really do bring the drugs and the guns in. So I had to stop you. Um, you are a government worker. I have yeah, to be careful. I, I, am a co- I appreciate you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for your service to, oh, to my service. Thank you. Thank you for your service. I mean that. Thank I, you. Thank you for servicing the. Wait. What's it? Nope. 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 Not even editing that out either. <laughs> you know what the best part about our conversations are? It's like when we did our Instagram Live, it did so well because people got a different side of you. I think for those that know you from the space, what what would you say is the general impression? Like if somebody would be like, oh, I know Tyr. It depends on where they know me from. It's kind of uh-huh. like what you're saying. Like if they know me from the military, then it also depends on what – part of my military life like i played rugby for the army for a while and um those rugby. were some, yeah those were some 
wild days. Okay, let's talk about rugby. What position did you play? Flank. We found something in I common. Was a wing forward. Really? Yeah, it was a six and seven mostly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Played a little bit of B half, B side, scrum half. Yeah. But here's the funny thing about that. Okay, so I'm going to assume that people know what we're talking about right now because they don't. It's, it's just going to be just Google rugby scrum half. Yeah. Uh, for you Americans, just picture six-year-olds playing soccer. That's it. Yeah. For sure. Nothing yeah. more violent. But full contact. Yeah. Full, <laughs> full head in, straight arm, bent elbow, yeah. breaking faces contact. So what I learned is, so I was an A-side flanker, but B-side, I'd fill in first scrum half a little bit here and there, okay. right? Um, by no means good at, well, really either one of them, but scrum half especially. Okay. But um, I discovered there's like this kind of gentleman's agreement between scrum halves where they don't completely annihilate each other yeah because you're standing directly beside one another and yeah. it's super easy to do that yeah so i played scrum half the same way i played flank which was not that which is the dude that is half my weight touches the ball and i just crushed him i destroy his soul. i just crushed him i just remember him getting up this is in southern pines north mm. carolina <laughs> i just remember him getting up and just looking at me like why, why would you why? do that? Why would you do that? I didn't even did do you, anything. Did you not go to the scrum half meeting where we all agreed we weren't going to crush each other? All the scrum halves met together in America yeah. one time and said, we're going to be kind to one let's, another. We're going to be kind. Right. We're going to be kind. Let's, let's let those ruffians and, and the rest of the pack do the work, but... This this is a gentleman's position. Oh, that is a gentleman's <laughs> position. It really is. There is a nice agreement with that. That's funny. When I played scrum half, I played it for a little bit, and then I moved. I played... Played scrum, then I went to fly a little, and I would play on the wing. Pretty much a running, sprinting kind of deal. Yeah. I started off on the wing. Mm-hmm. I'm not a gazelle. No way. No. Yeah. There's this uh, – I was playing in uh, military nationals, mm-hmm. uh, sevens, in Fort Benning, Georgia, many years ago, and I, I got a breakaway. I, first of all, I looped to get out there, so I was already running, but I got mm-hmm. a breakaway – off this loop and I was gone until I wasn't. Oh, it was no. just like steadily watching a train run out of steam. Like, <laughs> oh no. But you're so close. You're I was so, so close. close. Oh. I, I tried. It's so hard. Oh, oh wow. That was a rugby like that? joke. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If you don't know that reference again, just Google rugby. It will make so scrum sense. half is like a quarterback and a try is like a touchdown. A ta-da. There Look, you, you just Americanized it for everyone. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Rugby's a great sport. I am devastated I can't play anymore. It, Same, actually. It is one of those things that when you're playing it, if it's done well, it's a beautiful dance. I, this is what I really appreciate about rugby is it, 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 it really does instill a warrior ethos. And you don't have to be military to have it. No, you don't. And, and what I mean by that is you were <laughs> – in American football – Anytime there's a tackle, there's 30 seconds to a minute of, okay, let's set everything back up again. Right. There's none of that. There is a lot of uh, self-reliance and teamwork in rugby. You have to do both of them. A ton of it. When when you're tackled, the play is still going. You have to get back up. If you lay there, you're just screwing your team over. Right. And you're probably going to get cleated. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. hard in the face. Yeah, if you don't get up back up off the ground, you're going to get cleats to the body whether it's important or not, and your team is running off without you, and there's only 15 dudes. There's no special teams. There's no substitutions. You're just same team, offense and defense, and you're going. So what I really liked about that was the fact that there's really no safety net there. I mean, if you get hurt, you get hurt, but 
you have to keep going. Um, I love rugby because the violence is so severe. There's, it, it's so, it's so savage. Well, yeah, but that's the other part of it, right? It's such a rough game Super while rough. it's going. But it's not like soccer where people fake injuries and flop all over the place, no. and uh, you know people are fighting in the stands and whatnot. It's a. Uh, it's it's more camaraderie. It's it's more like community. And after after matches, everybody's friends. You know, I've it, I've never seen a fight after a rugby match ever. No, it's not something that happens. I think there's a an understanding like from that warrior spirit. There's something different to it. It's not just a sport. It rugby, like I said, it's a the dynamic of it itself and the culture that it breeds from mm-hmm. and that it stems from and it just it's an all encompassing kind culture of warriors yeah there's no such thing as a rugby hooligan i haven't heard of one no hockey for sure sure that's part of the sport yeah like (laughs) that's part of the culture (laughs) when i was in high school our hockey team was so special these guys would do coke on the weekends drive cars put themselves through windshields and like could still play on teams like there was this they could do no wrong like small town stuff like i grew up in super super tiny farm towns right where that was Kids were doing coke on the weekends and doing it at school behind like the arenas. Wow! So they like the teams went hard. hard. Yeah, yeah. super hard in the paint. Farm kids, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went to a farm high school and people were just doing corn. Yeah, I know, but the thing is, is because it comes in rows, right? Oh my god, guys! I I need to pick my friends better. <laughs> I need to pick not only who I have on this show better, clearly. I miss my daughter, so I've got to make up for it. I like it. it. You know? I, I love these dad jokes. You're going hard with them, and they make me happy. But I like I like the – I love sport, and I like the idea of team sport, something along that lines, because it is so different than any other team sport I've ever played. Mm-hmm. The respect level, the understanding – the idea that you really do have to be there. Like when you get hit, your guy's got to be over top of you. You got to get down. You got to rock through it and you have to push. And if you don't have them, you just lose. It's that mm-hmm. simple. If you don't have your guys behind you or your girls, stop there. Then it is a problem. It is a serious problem. Right. And that team has to be cohesive and speaking the same language or it just that game doesn't work. When my son was younger, um, there was two sports I got him into and I really didn't care if he excelled at them at all. I just wanted him to have the exposure. Right. I, uh, and this is when he was in junior high. I, I made him do wrestling mm-hmm. just, just one season. And I made him do rugby. I think he actually enjoyed rugby, but <clears throat> the reason I wanted him to do wrestling is because I didn't. Oh, and okay. it's not because I wanted him to be better than me. It's just that when I started hitting the mats in the military, doing, doing some combatives and, and the jits and whatnot, the only people that beat me are the people that wrestled in high school or college, especially yeah. the college wrestlers. Super strong. Yeah, well, it's not just that. It's they've got ingrained technique. It's like right. somebody that started learning a different language when they were younger. When I did martial arts, that was a... Karate? Taekwondo. Oh, almost as good. Almost as good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, 4 to 19, and I'm a second-degree black belt and a national champion. That's as far as I went with it. Just a national champion? That's it. That you, I had the ju- Olympics in PAP. Just a national champion. That was the plan. That's, that's all I did. I just became a national champion. I did it young. Yeah. But I had a bigger goal in mind, but that got 
I couldn't fight anymore when stuff started happening. I started fighting again in the military. Yeah. But that was the one thing I wish was that there was, I wish that my parents had more knowledge of it and would have put me in a more hand-to-hand, less striking one that's I can utilize in real life. Yeah, right. So when I think about people who wrestle or put their kids into wrestling or jiu-jitsu, I'm like, fuck yeah, high five, because they'll ask me, they're like, oh, what, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, what, what martial arts would you recommend? Because I always, I stay away from Taekwondo a little more only because of the, the stuff that we had in our space in Ontario. There was a lot of, like, my coach went to prison. Cocaine? Uh, no, sexual assault. After cocaine. After cocaine, for sure. Right. Um, so that happened, and it was, like, the whole club shut down, and then there was, like, other masters in Toronto who were, you know, much, much, much older, who were with, like, dangerously young, dangerously young people, and there was a trend happening that I felt uncomfortable with. I'm not saying that yeah. is everywhere, but... You're with these coaches. Like, it's like this. It's no different than the gymnastics, the United States gymnastics right, team. Right. You exactly are with of. these people. And yep. in any sport, especially gymnastics, when you're all, your hands on these types of things, whether we like it or not, that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when somebody brings up like, hey, what would you prefer? And I would say, you know, on principle, this. And then from functionality and long-term use, yeah. jujitsu, wrestling, a non-striking sport so the head injuries aren't you know, as significant right. early on. Yeah. And you're, they're getting a life skill, especially for girls, for getting grabbed and things like that. Like, I, I can only imagine the amount of people if they had had their children or young girls do some level of wrestling or jiu-jitsu um, or judo, for that matter, if they could have had a much better life later on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it could have prevented some things. I think it should be, I don't say mandatory, but I think every parent should make it a mission to have their child somewhat educated and handled. I think their body. if you have something on the top of your refrigerator and the only way to get it is off a spinning roundhouse, then Taekwondo is practical. I do that with my, um, I close my back. I, <laughs> I close my microwave with my foot. <laughs> of course you do. I mean, because sometimes I'll be in sweatpants and be like, I can still do it. Yeah. Like, and I shut cupboards, but that's only because I just want to make sure I can still get my leg up that high. Yeah. But, my point is, like, somebody grabs me on the street. I have other training I don't talk about. Right. Because I, but Taekwondo was From my. From the Canadian CIA. That's right. Yeah. 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 CSIS loves me for different reasons. <laughs> I don't even know what the acronym is. What CSIS. Did, CSIS? <laughs> yeah. That's ours. So, CSIS guys over here. Yeah. CSIS guys. This, this CSIS guys. I'm for sure going That's to get in trouble for, the, for those accents from. just got us canceled. <laughs> I want you to know that. That's, we're done now. I can mark that. But I, I think martial arts are great. I think they're necessary. But I like I I do wish that there was more of a, a useful martial arts put into my life early enough because it's an ingrained thing when you're young. Yeah, same. that's the time to wrap your head around it. Yeah, I was white belt a couple times in elementary school. Yeah, but it was in the karate. Ooh. Yeah. Karate. Yeah, which I don't know if that's really practical for anything. Although I did see it in the Olympics. It is there now. Yeah. 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 So is the the kata thing. That was so weird. It was super weird. It's fight dancing. I know. It's, 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 you had a, I got a gold medal in fight dancing. I can't take it seriously. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but like, but you know what the other thing they changed too in the Olympics, and they they changed this. Uh, not, I think I was, it was right right uh, after I got out, or as I was getting out, they were phasing it in. In Taekwondo, they started doing the sensor system. 
So it's an electronic um, scoring oh, system. Oh, right, yeah. Which pisses me off because you have to wear these things on the top of your feet and you have to kick the hogu at the right angle at the right spot. So before you would have... Is that the pad that goes that's on, on your chest? Foot? Oh, okay. It's called the hogu and then you have your helmet, right? Gotcha. So headshots are three points. Well, you don't need a sensor on that. You can see when someone gets dummied in the face. Now, when somebody were, was, would be fighting, and I'm sorry for you guys aren't getting to see my hand gestures right now. It's very Italian. Yeah, it's super Italian. Um, it's because I miss Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I miss your wife. Um, so you, you would have a, uh, a ref in the middle, but then you have other scorekeepers on each corner. And what would be really good is, depending on the angle, if you did a spin kick and you hit someone really hard and it hit their arm, but it made the whop noise, like really, really hard, you key up really hard, then they would count it as a point. Mm. So now the scoring system's changed. It's much different to get. And when I was, you know, when you're trained young, it's like, yeah, you can adjust to it. But I personally, I hated it. Yeah. I hated the system. Um, it just wasn't the same. And I fought my last fight in Las Vegas, at where we are right now, mm. at the U.S. Open. Um, and that was when I was in the military. I did my last fight here, and I fought a weight category above what I was used to. Punching above your weight class. Yeah. yeah. And she was 5'11". And I'm five foot. I feel like this should be part of a story yeah. somewhere. I don't this, have that story. You need, you, need a, you need a nemesis. You yeah. need a protagonist. Right. You have to have conflict. Right. You have to have resolution. Correct. In the story arc. I think, we just, I think we've got the whole thing right there. Yeah. Let's write this up. Let's crank out a screenplay. I'll green light it. Yeah. We can film it with your camera. If it'll that keeps shutting on. off. That keeps shutting <laughs> off. I'm so pissed about that. You know that all night now instead of going out. I'm going to be sitting here trying to figure this out for the boot campaign interview tomorrow. I love it. So I have to tell you this from an American perspective. Go. I, I take note of every time you say out. How many times have I said it? I've lost count. Oh, my God. It's been a lot in the last two minutes. What so. am I supposed to say? I'm Canadian. Uh, nothing. I just enjoy hearing it. Well, listen. I can't help that I'm from Canada. Well, yeah, but you're from, like, Seattle, Canada. Hey, don't ever say I'm from Seattle. <laughs> From from way north Seattle. Wait, way? You're like almost north Seattle. You know what's a piss off? Is I mean, we live two hours from each other. I know it's ridiculous because <laughs> you're basically Canadian, and then you got like Greg Anderson. That's not far from us either. And it's like we're all in this little bubble, but you guys are super Americans, and I'm not even two out. Griff's near us. Mm-hmm. So many people are near us, but you guys are the super Americans, and I'm the weird Canadian. I I'm on the border of America. I feel like. By now, I'm the surrogate Canadian in the community that yeah. has come down. Well, your oots are softer. Oh, you, you have a soft oot. It's more of a, 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 a oot, oot. Your mouth can't oot. even make it. Oot. Oot. I you're, wish the camera was soft, but I oot. You're, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry about God. that. You know what's wild to me is when I come down to America, my Canadian accent is apparently prominent to everyone but me. When I hang out with British people, I start to develop their accent. Mm-hmm. Then I come back to Canada, and people in Canada are like, why do you have like a weird accent all of a sudden? I do that in Texas. Do you? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, so my grandpa is Texan. So I, I grew up with that accent around me. Okay. Um, and then I spent the first five years of my military career in Texas. And not only did I spend it in Texas, but I spent it on horseback in Texas. What? I've, I used to ride horses for the Army. Did you not know this? What? Yeah, I used to ride horses for the <laughs> army. Yeah, dog and pony show. Oh my god! <laughs> I need the stories, and I need them immediately. Uh, yeah, sure. So why? Um, to promote esprit de corps, military history, and uh, 
community relations and recruiting. No, but that's not what I asked you. Why were you on a horse? Well, the horse can't be on me. Okay, but I'm not understanding. What did you do for the first bit of your career? Okay, in the so the first cavalry division. Okay. Has a rich history of cavalry things. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, in the 1970s, they formed a a, a parade unit, essentially uh, a mounted parade unit. Okay. It was a it was a platoon back then, um, and bought a few horses, and they did ceremonies at Cooper Field, which is First Cav Division headquarters, and um, you know would ride in parades and, and whatnot. But it it evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, to a pretty disciplined unit, um, and it's it's still out there now. It's part of division headquarters. You know, it's kind of kind of on the same level as like the division band and and division honor guard and whatnot, but with a with a tangible physical skill. <laughs> for, but what is the physical skill for? Uh, so I I've learned to break and train horses. Well, I was out okay. there. So, in addition to just standing there on a horse on a horseback right. in the ceremony, we also um, had a, a half an hour long um, drill and ceremony and weapons and tactics demonstration that we would do. Okay. And and we do that like, at the, well, the weirdest thing I did there was probably an air show because people had to come out to the infield and then go back. But we did a lot of rodeos and and things like that. And this was in the military. Yeah. Okay. See, when I think of when you just said what you said to me mm-hmm. about riding a horse, uh, the last image that came to mind that just popped up was the border guard on the horse. How many divisions of the United States protection use horses like this? Je ne sais pas. Really? Yeah. Because you guys give us shit for using horses and riding them. Well, yeah, but you wear bright red coats while you do it. No, I do not do any of that. I am not a federal police officer. Well, you said we. Canadians. (laughs) Whatever. There's barely any Canadians listening. It's fine. (laughs) And if you are listening from Canada, you you know I'm not wrong. Don't go there. Listen, we don't get to pick our uniforms. I don't think it's as prevalent as it was because it's not something – not as many people grow up doing it. Okay. Um, I was fortunate to learn it in the military. I, I was around horses at a yeah. young age, but I didn't actually ride that much. Both my my grandpa and my dad were in the Washington County Mounted Sheriff's Posse. Oh wow! So they were they were deputies. They were volunteer deputies, and they did mostly like search and rescue and and things like that, or extra security at public events. Why do you but, think people volunteer for those positions? Not go to, as a career, but like you said, like we're volunteer. I always wondered that. I think a lot of people uh, want to serve something bigger than themselves. Um, my grandpa's a World War II vet. Uh, was a paratrooper. Still kicking it. He's 93. Oh, jeez. Um, my dad was disqualified from service. He's Vietnam era, but he was disqualified from service medically. Um, what was his deal? He had a weird shoulder. Ew. Yeah. I have one, too. Yes. Yeah, he can... It's weird. So everybody in my family is in construction. My dad, I grew up watching him being able to completely invert oh, his no. arm. Like, like you know, like lethal weapon. Ew. I'm going to get out of the straitjacket type. Like, and he could hammer full force upside down. Oh, no. It was weird. That's it was a gross. weird thing to watch. Yeah. But it was because his, I think he was breech. Born okay. breech. Yeah. Jacked up his shoulder. Um, to the point where, like, he had it in a sling as a kid for Oh, for wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that that could be that significant. Well, I mean, this is the 50s. Yeah, they can just yeah. tear you apart. Yeah, I mean, they put braces on Forrest Gump, and then he was an All-American football player. How do you think that happened? 
I think it was written in the script. Oh, okay, cool. I just want to double check. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was some advanced science I don't know about. Well, it is Hollywood movie magic. Oh, my God. Yeah. You would know because you do a lot of that stuff. Hollywood movie magic? I mean, you're kind of a guy that creates a few things. I feel like um, kind of, uh, you know, that, that game, Seven Degrees to Kevin Bacon? No. So we have this actor in America whose name is Kevin Bacon. Oh, I know who Kevin Bacon oh, is. Oh, yeah. Okay. I want to interview him one day so bad. <laughs> so it's, it's been around for years, but essentially it's Kevin Bacon's been in so many movies yep. that you can link him to any personality. That is the best. Yeah. You know, such and such played this with this guy who was in this movie with this woman who was married to this guy who was in Footloose. That's the best. Yeah, that's Seven Degrees Kevin Bacon. Oh, Seven so, Degrees Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I like this. So I think in terms of like anything that might be deemed celebrity at all, right? I'm probably I'm 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 Seven Degrees. Right. Like Rogan, I'm I'm one degree. I've never met him, but you and I are all. <laughs> you know how many like you know how I'm few, okay. Do you know how infuriating it is to do this as a profession and genuinely do it and care the way you do and be one degree with 11 different people away from the world's biggest podcaster? It's even stranger for me because I know I I used to do PSD, protective Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hi. I think, okay, never mind. I think you forgot where you were for a second. Yeah, no, no, Vegas. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. On the OnlyFans set. Yeah. Yay, OnlyFans. <laughs> God, they should be calling me. Look at how much money we're making you right now. For in, Up there, it's called OnlyFans? <laughs> Question mark? OnlyFans. OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I know guys that have been on his detail right. or, or on his detail. So it's, it's like I've got friends that have been on his show. So many. Numerous times. So many. Yeah, and not like an acquaintance, like genuine friends that have been on the show and then i've got dudes that are making sure that <laughs> he gets home at night yeah it's it's kind of like i'm i've got the blue collar side of yeah seven degrees to give him bacon i know it, it's like that though for it's our space there's a handful of individuals it's like to watch kind of the rise and to be around for it and to be a part of some of people's lives when they go through these things it's a it's a really cool thing to witness yeah especially you guys you could talk about taekwondo there's a lot we could talk about. Well, I would focus on that. Yeah. It's relevant. I think it's important. I don't know. The goal, listen, the goal has always been when you, I think every single podcaster on this entire planet wants to be on that guy's show. Yeah. I would love to be on there. Actually, you know what? More than being on his podcast, uh, I think he'd be just a cool guy to hang out with. I don't need to be on his podcast. I just want to have a conversation with him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because... I, I, what I found was so cool about walking into this space in the past couple of years that I've been in it now and taking it like deadly seriously mm-hmm. is that I understand that work that goes into doing this yeah. on an ongoing, long-term, drudging it out, booking, editing, posting, like all of it basis and I just like to learn. And the thing that I loved about getting into this space was I always had this 
insatiable want to understand things on a different level and have deeper conversations. Um, and I think you know that with me. You and I have known each other outside of this world. And um, I conversations that fill my cup are really important to mm -hmm. me. And I found the further I went down this path of, of owning the company and, and doing what I'm doing and with the stuff I have coming out, I get to have fewer and fewer deep, deeper than cookie sheet conversations unless I'm doing the podcast. So podcasting for me brought me not only like growth, but it showed me that I could be more than somebody who owned a company and I and I somebody everyone can owning a company is fine but for me it's not enough I need other things to fill my cup I have a theory on that okay I like it it's uh this is the professional version of putting your phone away at the dinner table you think so yeah I mean think about it I like that you because you you run a company right right and you're a hustler you have to be to to be successful which means you don't get the luxury of taking time to really sit down and process and intake and mm. fill your cup, as you say. Mm -hmm. Now you've made it part of your professional right. mm, repertoire, and you have to. I'm pause obsessed and with it. Yeah. I want to do it till the day I die. Yeah. I want to do it every day of the week. That's my goal. Is that silly? You want to be a full time podcaster? Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why. I want to give. I, I mean, want to. It's engaging. Bring, I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. I'm. So you know, I'm. I'm. I'm reluctantly breaking into this myself. You should. So I was on a podcast a couple of years ago with a uh, really popular um, hunting personality. Okay. Uh, Randy Newberg. Great, great man. Nobody will take great me hunting, so I haven't been able to break into this. Place You're on the wrong side of the border. I know. Um, I know. I yeah. thought Alberta was really great. Actually, and? we have bear people up there. I'm just, yeah. I've been waiting. I've made it known to the universe that someone needs to take me hunting because I haven't been able to touch raw meat or anything like raw meat since 09. Mm. That's why I haven't gone hunting. I can't, I, I, it's a, okay. tour, it's a tour thing that I, it's like one of my last bugaboos. So you need something like a good Southern whitetail thing where it's, you're almost guaranteed one. So you can kind of break through that. I want an elk. That would be what I would like. Well, yeah. Who I wouldn't? Wanna, well, I want an elk because I want to give half of it to Honor House to fill their freezers for the house, for the families. You, you can do that with other game. Can I? Yeah. I've never had other game. Like, I've had, never enjoyed venison. Oh, I need to cook I think for you. Yeah, I think it's how it's cooked, right? My daughter, who absolutely will not shoot an animal. Right. She loves venison. Really? But she also won't eat beef. Oh, okay. Because she saw a beef processing video. Yeah, which is horrific. And no yeah. one, yeah, that's, so that's a whole thing. So I was like, I'm still going to eat hamburgers, but I get it. I'm not going to make you eat beef. <laughs> but my point in yeah. saying that was that's been my, I made it kind of known. I brought it up to people before and they're like, do you want to go hunting? I said, yeah. I said, but here's the thing. I've never gone hunting. I can't own guns in Canada. So I would have to go somewhere that I can do all of those things. And then the last big thing is I have not since deployment because I didn't have gloves on when I was doing body recovery for something, mm -hmm. it stuck and imprinted so significantly in my mind to this day that I can't have skin on food. Um, I can see it now, which is new. I can see it now. Yeah. But I can't, like, Brady, when we buy the meat, he bags the meat. When he cooks, like, I use a fork and knife. I don't touch raw anything or at all. So I would say before you go hunting and really go, because you're talking about two different 
skills right now. Of course I am. But the thing with the skills is you can, I need, basically I need people that are patient and that can trust. I would highly recommend doing this women's skills camp that uh, Nicole and Dana and Chris are putting on. I know I really do want to do it. The, the thing that is hard is like, that's, there's going to be a lot of people there. Yeah. That's a big event. And I don't know that I'm ready to put what is going to come out of me in front of everyone like that. I'm pretty vulnerable in every other way. I show everyone every other aspect of my life. If, uh, and if I do do it, I, I'm going to be the opposite. I actually want to make something out of it. Would you eat goat? I've never had goat. I ate a lot of it in Afghanistan. Yeah, I was going to say, you ate so much goat. I ate a lot of goat. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of goat. That's why I'm asking. What does it taste like? It tastes kind of how goat smells, See, honestly. Then, no, because you know what else happened? This one time at band camp, we sent a mortar mm-hmm. into a compound by accident that housed all the goats. Yeah. And then um, end up having to sleep in said compound. Uh, yeah, yeah. Alongside all dead goats. Y- you know what? Being able to cook it in first world manner, though, I could probably make it much better than the way I had it in Afghanistan. Yeah, I would like to think and Not hope that to God. Afghan food is bad. I actually like some of it, but... Um, the reason I'm asking is because being that you live in North Seattle, Mm. um, I could probably drive that two hours north, north, we could buy a goat and murder the goat. We could slaughter at at your compound. Yeah. But the problem is, and that sounds super brutal, but that's actually what it's called a slaughtering, butchering. We could butcher it at your compound. That's what my neighbors need in my cul-de-sac to see. Oh, you live in a, okay. (laughs) Um, because they already know that I... I personally utilize psychedelics to work on myself. And then when I come back from said, said psychedelics and in summer and or any other time it's not raining, I have a tendency to go outside with cannabis and lie in the middle of said cul-de-sac uh, on the ground and look at the stars a lot because I live in a cul-de-sac and uh, my house is beautiful, but there's not a lot of trees or space. Isn't so that French for uh, butt of the sack? Probably. Yeah. So... Uh, they think I'm crazy enough as is. Yeah. And they also... Wor- well, what do you have to lose then? Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. We could yeah. just slaughter a goat in the cul-de-sac. Or we could probably find someplace that's friendly to do it. We could probably do it where we bought the goat. Here's the <laughs> thing, That would probably though. even be better. I wouldn't... The only reason I'd say no to that is because I know I won't use all of the goat. Why not? Because it's goat. Meh. Which... Bah. Yeah, exactly. A, I'm, that's I'm, a, I'm really that's good a, at goat. That's a great... <laughs> <laughs> that should be your entry music. <laughs> Brett Benton wrote my entry oh, music. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Speaking of your podcast, let's talk about it. So you're going to yeah. do it. Yeah, I have uh, 13 episodes recorded right now. I'm sorry, was I on any of those? Not yet. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The level of offense right now uh, <laughs> is like liberal high. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to knock out people that uh, oh, don't didn't, didn't oh, already oh. have. I just want to, mm. you're, you're so... Popular and pretty. Oh, is that what and, it is? Yeah. 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 Okay. I see. I see where I stand on people's importance level. So, okay. I don't have any experience mixing. I've got some experience talking, right? Which is great, but I don't have experience mixing or producing. And this is a one-man show on this thing. You know what's really great? Mm. Final cut. Yeah, you've mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I think somebody else said it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, they're just kind of sitting in Garage Band waiting for me to do something with them. You know what? Final cut's not bad. It <laughs> is. Bless you. Final Cut is not bad. It's where my garage keeps going on my watch. That's mm. what I'm looking at. We get alerts. We have uh, a smart home. Oh. So when Jack gets home from school or Brady, I'm like, I, it's the time of day for them. Right. 
Um, so when you when you have everything, you, it's the thing I love so much about Final Cut was you can Google everything. Apple has the answers to everything. Right. So you can teach yourself. So Final Cut's an Apple program. It's an Apple program. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you use Apple? Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I personally prefer that. Um, when we first started, we did iMovie for like the first year. Right. Because it's super user easy. Final Cut's like an advanced version of that. Yeah. I don't have any um, visual mm. on it. Oh, yeah. No no so, cameras. So I'm, I'm doing audio only just because it's – it's easier. I mean, I'm I'm fine at taking stills, but I don't have a good camera for. Well, I had doing a good this. camera. Well, yeah, and here we are looking at this thing that shut off. Yeah, I had a good camera. Yeah. I'm not happy. You right need now, an A6400. I know. Gosh. Damn yeah. It. So the thing that's really great though that you can do and you should do, in my personal opinion, is you're going to have a YouTube, yeah. I mean, yes, yes, I will, but uh, I don't have any plans to graduate to actually having video on it for a while. So it's just going to be the audio playing with. With a still on it. I was going to say put a still over it so that you can still put it on YouTube and start monetizing yourself. Yep. That's where I was going to go with that. Yeah. And I can't back out of this at this point, even though I haven't published it. Even though I keep thinking about it. Because, I mean, it's not just that I've recorded people, it's that other people have put work into this podcast because they want to see it happen. Yeah. Like, you know, um, Josh Smith's producer for Montana Knife Company, I was up Mm -hmm. doing his podcast, and, and his producer actually built my thumbnail for me. And Brett Benton and his band, they actually they recorded an intro and outro for me. Oh, that's it, amazing. Sent it to me. So, yeah, I've, I've I've definitely had a lot of support in doing this. And then, you know, guys like Randy Newberg who have a gajillion mm-hmm. listeners, mm-hmm. you know, standing behind me and encouraging me and telling me anytime I, I, I want a guest, he'll do it. And it's that kind of support. Like, I don't think this is going to get me rich by any chance but i do think that um it's going to be a good platform for storytelling mm-hmm. and for um our brand of social awareness mm-hmm. and i think it's you're good at it well yeah of course do you know that though the super humble okay yeah i think you're good at it and I no think- thank you I- you're good at it. You you have a lot creatively that I think people don't know about you. Your writing is out there, and your writing is impressive. But Thank you're, you. You're, you're kind of an all-encompassing creator, but mm-hmm. you just haven't tapped this side of you yet. That's all. That's Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. And it's a little daunting because of that, because because I'm not good at it yet. I think, I think there's potential there, but I'm not good at it yet. I look at my first 50 episodes and want to punch myself square in the face. Mm, me too. It's just... You should want so it. So bad. It, no, it is. Listen, I know I actually haven't I'm, listened to them, but that's fine. They're like, you know, what's wild to me is I was very fortunate with this show and have been since I started it. People have come to support me yeah. and be on it. Meaning, like within the first six episodes, I had a multi Emmy or like Emmy winning like actor. I had uh, ex NFL players. I had people. There's just there's. It blows my mind who's been willing to give me their time and hold space for me yeah. in order to do that. Our hundredth episode was Alexander Ludwig the, from Vikings, the composer. Yeah, right. The uh, from Vikings and Heels, and he's got a million things out. And he's a country singer now. Mm-hmm. Like he gave me his time like that. I mean, I've had that with Travis Pastrana. I've had that with Ryan Villapoto. I've had that with other actors. I've had that with military members who mm-hmm. have not only given me their time, have opened up to me. In ways that 
they didn't expect, I didn't expect, but I'm seeing develop over the show and what I'm able to do differently that others in our space or even in this podcast world are not able to do. Ask me what the title is. What is your title? Oh, thank, I'm glad you asked. So, uh, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to plug it or anything, mm-hmm. but it's called Allegedly. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Because I say allegedly in just about every story. Well, yeah, 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 because you have to. Yeah. Uh, I was originally going to go with another veteran podcast. Oh, that Just because that's good everybody too. needs is another veteran podcast, but uh, I didn't want to pigeonhole it to just I a veteran space. I was just going to yeah. say. So that's why I went with allegedly. And it's trademarked in the whole bit. I love so that. So that's why I'm comfortable saying that, even though I haven't released it. That's okay. You don't. <laughs> the anticipation will grow, and people are stoked. Do you yeah. have a yeah. potential timeline? Um, honestly, if I could get a week off to finish up the publishing, I'm, I'm going to put 12 up all at once because that's how the algorithm works. I like it. Is that it? It's something like that. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe you and I need to have a conversation. That's just what I've been advised on. Oh. I don't know it from experience. I just Fair know enough. people have told me. Really? Don't release one. If you're brand new, don't release just one because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a one and done. Yeah. You need to get multiple hits to get that ranking. I think we did that at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, we got, I think we got eight to 10 in the bank right before we did Carson Daly's Mind Matter show. Yeah. Because I was like, be smart. Be a little smart about it. We started recording, we banged them out. Yeah. And that's when I had, I had people producing the first 20 episodes. After that, I took it over. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, if I had somebody producing it for me, it'd already be done. If I had somebody producing our show, we would have one a week. I mean, sorry, we would have one a day. Yeah. For five days a week. Start a nonprofit. Because that's what I need. That's what everybody does. In our community, starting on probably starting on profit that uh, does production for veteran podcasts. I just I think that's amazing, <laughs> and any of you listeners who are like I could produce your show and just want to volunteer and you're good at it, call me. Yeah, that's the truth. Though there are there are some really great foundations in our space that are doing a lot of really really important work, and I know that you're involved with quite a few of them. Yeah. So yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. Sure. Yeah, well, so even before I was with Black Rifle, I was... Um, You're with Black Rifle? Yeah, I, I work for Black Rifle Coffee Company. I had company. no idea. It's a, a publicly traded company in the United States. Really? Yeah, yeah, public in February. Yeah, it's, oh. it's kind of a big deal. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There Canada, is a Black Rifle Canada. Is there? Yeah. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. I don't... I, I've, seen, I've seen it on the Instagrams. I don't think that Vancouver's allowed it. That makes sense. I mean, it doesn't fit there. Well, it's North Seattle. Maybe Alberta. Yeah. But not BC. You know, I met Devin in Seattle. Really? Mm-hmm. He used to live in Ballard. Really? Yeah. He well, briefly went to University of Washington before he punched somebody. Well, we shouldn't have done that. Moved to Idaho. Okay. That's an aggressive standpoint. Yeah. He was going to be an officer. Ended up as a NCO instead. Jesus. Yeah. Thanks for that tidbit. Yeah. It's a lot for everyone. It's Tim tells out of church. Oh, jeez. Spilling the tea. I love the tea. <laughs> So tell me more about, uh, give me the tea on these uh, organizations. Yeah. So um, I was, the when I came back from my last deployment at the very end, just before Christmas in 2018, um, I had done some stuff with the Special Forces Foundation because the executive director and I were on the same team in uh, selection. And he was a class ahead of me in the medic course, just kind of bounced, bounced around each other's careers. And um, great organization, by the way, Special mm-hmm. Forces Foundation. Um, but as discussed previously in this, the National Guard SOF is kind of a unicorn and that nobody really knows how to take care of it except that unicorn mm-hmm. to include, um, foundations that are primarily centered on active duty guys. So I was the, the National Guard 
liaison, essentially, for the, for the SF Foundation. And that got me to my first trip to SHOT Show, um, where all my Black Rifle buddies were. And I think I was probably writing for the Black Rifle blog at the time. Um, and uh, then I actually started working for Black Rifle, and Evan asked me to be the charitable giving manager. Um, and in that role, I got to know a lot of people in the nonprofit space, both good and bad. Mostly good, but there are a few bad actors out there. Who were they? Uh, well, most of them don't exist anymore. Or it's bad enough that you don't have to name them because nobody... Yeah. I guess the reason I say that is there's a lot of our listeners who wonder about where they're putting their money and who their money's going well, to. Well, so I'll tell the listeners the how I vetted things because I, I, I can't be an expert on everything. Well, no, if right? you're not seeing and the so, books and you don't know. And, I'm, and I was a one-man army at the time. Right. So if somebody was uh, submitting a request for support, you know, there'd be a phone call, and I would more or less have them vetted in 10 minutes because I'd be in front of my computer having this phone conversation, and I could Google on – just pull up the IRS website. I, I could look on their website, and if they were smart and had their tax ID number on their website, right. which they should, I advise any nonprofit out there – Put your financials on there and put your tax ID on there because people that donate and donate big want to see transparency. Right, and that's when you know they will they will feel more comfortable yep. and more willing. Yeah, so I would look up their tax ID um, or I'd search it on the IRS database and I'd punch it up and I'd you've got their financial records right there, and so I can see what they're what mm-hmm. they're taking in and what they're spending because it's reportable right there. It's open source information. And I can see that while we're having a conversation. I'd also look on third-party websites like uh, uh, Charity Navigator mm-hmm. and uh, what's the other one? Something Star, GuideStar, I yep. think it's the other one. Yeah. Um, and not all nonprofits are on there. So that's another thing. Just because they're not on those two websites doesn't, doesn't mean, mean they're not good. It. it just means they haven't been around long enough right. to really be established. Or it's so mom and pop they don't even know, which right. happens also. Um, but really, it's it's... It's intention of purpose and it's uh, stewardship of mm-hmm. of uh, resources, and that's that's what I really looked at in terms of what I was giving. Being that I was giving corporate money, I would have to look at a third thing, which is do the organization's values align with our company values, right. and have they had any weird PR shit that is going to create a blowback for us, mm-hmm. which happens from time to time. It does. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Not that Black Rifle would know anything about PR blowback. That's nobody. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. Nobody there. Nobody has doxed us on the internet ever. No. <laughs> We're all good people. But what's that saying? No one doing more than you will ever shit on you. You got to say it in French. I don't Sorry, know. Sorry, I can't say that in Sorry. French. Most of my listeners are very American. Yeah. I don't think. So I'm studying for uh, a language test in French right now. Are so. you really? Yeah. Oh, no, my French is not good enough anymore. I'm working on Spanish now. I'm yeah. just, I want to learn Spanish. Mine is mine isn't you. It's, it's not good. No? No. No, I'm just using Duolingo. Yep. But, you know, so I was deployed to uh, an undisclosed place in, in a hot, allegedly. sandy area, allegedly. And uh, that's where I learned French. Okay. Well, that in West Africa, which I guess. Which is very French. Yeah, yeah. That. So I learned to teach a little bit of first aid in, in French. That's not bad. That's not a bad thing yeah. to have. This secures me. <laughs> yeah. See, the thing with you is I could only imagine them trying to teach you this yeah. with an American accent, really just hamming it up. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, we, we. Yeah, oh, we. So I keep trying to get Nicole to learn this with me so I have somebody to talk with. And she keeps telling me how much she hates French. And she'll go, ha, 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 ha. That's the key, though. You need to have somebody to converse with. I know. Or you Tell her it. that. Yeah. I lost. This is for, I'll get paid for this language. I went uh, back to Gagetown, uh, New Brunswick, to do my last round with the Canadian Armed Forces. And my sergeant, my old sergeant, who's now, he went to the dark side. He's an officer. Um, he's French. They're all French. And so when I'm around him, I start to pick it up. They wear the blue plaid in Letterkenny. Do they? Yeah. See, I haven't seen a lot of Letterkenny. That's how you can tell who the French speakers are. Speaking of Letterkenny. The, the Quebecois. The, Quebec, the Quebecois. Quebecois. Speaking of Letterkenny. Yeah. You know the house and the farm that it's based on? Well, not personally. I do. A friend of mine. His name is Carrie. His name is uh, Phil Demir. <laughs> He's the uh, walrus whisperer on Instagram. He's the one who got Marine Land shut down and a bunch of the bills. He's been on Rogan a bunch of times. Phil's a good buddy. Seven degrees Kevin Bacon. That's right. Getting smaller. And uh, I told you, it's yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. Anyway, that's his grandmother's house. Oh. So he like they he recently talked about it. We we're doing a live and we we're talking about it. And he's like, you know, when they show the intro and they they zoom in and you see like the photos and stuff like that's my that's my house that's our house. Like I know that I grew up there. I have memories there. And it was such a cool conversation we were having about it. And I'm like, it's seven degrees, seven bacon. God damn it, Kevin Bacon's everywhere, isn't he? God damn footloose. I know. Yep. Back to Kevin Bacon. Back to Kevin Bacon. God damn Kevin Bacon. What organizations would you recommend people support? Well, it really depends on what effort you're wanting to give at right you know and I, I do believe that you should give your your time and money where um with something that you personally believe in you know yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of veteran organizations out there but me being from the special forces community obviously i've got a little bias there that's fine um and the green beret community has a number of them mm-hmm. and fortunately we don't have any bad actors in, i mean in, in the foundations right so special forces foundation excellent Green Beret Foundation, awesome. They had a little hiccup a few years ago, mm-hmm. but they've come back bigger, better, and stronger. The reason I throw that out there is because some Green Berets out there are like, oh, what about this? And like, it's, it's done and over with. That's, that's done and over with. They're doing okay. good work. We, uh, we sponsored one of their fundraisers last night. Uh, the Special Forces Charitable Trust is, actually has more resources than the other two, but uh, nobody really knows about them. Really? Yeah. Maybe that's uh, why they have more resources. Like senior leaders do. I think they're just good stewards of money. Really? But um, some nonprofits are better at marketing than others. Fair enough. Yeah. But SF Charitable Trust, so I just did something with them out at Fort Bragg. Uh, they did a celebrity Green Beret shoot. Oh, nice. And this isn't the first time I've done it. So they've had, they had some country artists out there and some MMA athletes. Nobody in Taekwondo I mean, that, I, that I knew about. But, I'm not a celebrity, though. So Right. Well, we could have a Canadian. Okay, yeah. we, I'll take that. And, say, and we have somebody from Canada. Yeah, and that's right. And everybody could be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, but that's what you could do because you need to have somebody different. Yeah. You might as well just have yeah. a Canadian. And you just wear a helmet all the time. That's fine. <laughs> I will wear a helmet for that. Uh, who else did we have? Um, we had uh, some Olympians. And we had this nice lady that ran for president a couple years ago. Would that be Tulsi Gabbard? It would be Tulsi Gabbard, lieutenant colonel type. I yeah. have been trying to have that bad bitch on the show now for a hot minute. She is a bad bitch. She's a bad bitch. Yeah, I hadn't met her personally up to that point. I really like her from afar. I, I can't, I've never met her, but she, I really like her. I I feel comfortable in saying she's my friend. That's beautiful. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she she's a very genuine person. She seems as such, and I think that's why I have such a... I, and I want to caveat that. I used to do diplomatic security. I have been in and around... Tulsi Gabbard. 
maybe not in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have been around. <laughs> I have been around politicians professionally. Uh, this isn't like I was starstruck, and this is the first time I've done right. these things called codels where we have to protect legislators. You're a big deal. I know. Congressmen, whatnot. I know. Right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I briefed Nancy Pelosi and her staff in 2003. I'm sorry for that for you. It was, well, you shouldn't because um, this Did was you, 20 what? years ago. Oh, okay. And uh, she was the first woman woman I had seen without a burqa in a couple months and I was living in a tent. Okay, so you were she, enjoying she, it. She did her service. Okay. <laughs> she said, thank you. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. I'm probably one of the few. That will admit that. Green Berets that has had dirty thoughts about Nancy Pelosi. Listen, in her younger days, in her heydays. You know, I, I. Big old pillows. I'm, in order to have a good podcast, you have to be vulnerable. And this is me. This is me I being really, vulnerable. Is this your vulnerable moment? This is a, that's the best clip I'm going to have of all she time. She wore a V-neck sweater. That's all I needed to hear. Yeah. The yeah. V-neck sweater. And then she wanted uh, my team leader and I to take her to uh, uh, Kalajengi Prison. And we told her that wasn't a good idea. That's You're going to get raped. Well, there's nobody really there. I, I mean, Dostum's dudes were there. but yeah, But I, Nancy I, Pelosi, why do you need to be doing that? I just told her. Well, I mean, it's a pretty famous site. I mean, this is 03. Okay. The early days. Saying. Prison uprising, you know. Mike Spann. I know. It was a whole thing. It's a thing. Yeah. But. But do we need to visit? Yeah, we don't need to visit. No, there's more things no. we could be doing with I, your time. I told her. You know what? Honestly, she was okay. Her staff, her handler dude, mm. I wanted to just pick him up and like do the Star Wars force Like toss him? Because he would give these like snide side eyes. Stupid round glasses. Oh, round glasses. God, he couldn't have been any more stereotypical elitist bad guy. Oh, it's just, just too uh, obvious. Just, uh, just when it's obvious like just, that. Ugh. Yeah, yeah it's it gross. Bad. Yeah. So, so, so Tulsi's a friend. Tulsi is wonderful. Yeah, she's. After that was over, um, yeah, I actually sent her a message saying nice it, was, it was really. It truly was a pleasure to meet you, and you know, I told her the same thing. I'm not a stranger to the political world and being in very close proximity to to politicians and what. And she's a good. Egg. You're authentic, and you do politics, but you're not a politician. She did this. Uh, she did this walk. Them, a few individuals did it um, in Pearl Harbor. There. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go do that. That's impressive to see her get up and do that when there's, she doesn't need to be doing right. any of that. Like that's the difference making when you are who you say you are, when yeah. you show up and you perform and you really do put your money where your mouth is. And I, I've been talking about that now for the past couple of months about the people in the community that have the reach that they need to be held to a different standard. And she, she does that above and beyond. Well, and so a lot of people don't, know this at at uh, face value but she's still serving in special right. operations yeah as a reservist and after after the presidential campaign that she ran in she kind of went dark for a little bit mm-hmm. and there wasn't really any explanation she was deployed uh, she deployed right after yeah yeah so she spent i think nine months something like that uh downrange and um you know it wasn't she wasn't taking rockets every day, but it wasn't like... It, yeah, but it's it, not nothing. It's, it, it was not like a super comfortable deployment. It's not where you'd expect somebody 
that, you know, just sat in Congress and, and oh. ran for president. It's not where you'd expect them to be. And no. I'm sure she could have gotten out of that if she wanted to. Guaranteed she could yeah. have gotten out of that. But, she, but that, she didn't. But that's the type of person she is. And I love, I love seeing her go and participate in these things because I would like to think as people get older and the more women that are in these spaces that have these platforms, I would like to think that the rest of us will continue to show up that way because right. we have examples like her. Yeah. We've seen how it should be done right. Yeah. You know, when you get those platforms, what are you using it for? She shows up. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is really, really great about her. I She tagged me in something um, when she did with that company, Eagles and... Angels. Yes. Yeah. She did the hats. Yeah. Um, somebody bought a Quattro bracelet of ours and tagged it yeah that's and my eagles and angels that one's yours field note cover yeah that's part of my uniform i love that yeah i love that he's gonna do another release so tom from eagles and angels yep. was at that same fundraiser oh really and we were talking and uh yeah he still has a full set of uh desert uniform from my, from my first deployment that's awesome so we're probably going to do another round of field note covers i'll have to grab one of those yeah that's legit yeah i like that man i like it i like I like the people I surround myself with. It's this community has been good to me. It took me a minute to jump into it because mm -hmm. I had to go through. Customs. Obviously. Right. Uh, emotional customs. Duties and taxes were oh, paid. Yeah. You know, before I could get comfortable around the uniforms again and, and, and know that it was okay to be myself in this space and to put myself out there. It took a hot minute. But once I, once I did, I was fortunate. Like I said, uh, if, you know, if I didn't start the podcast, Nobody in America, I wouldn't have put myself out there again. And because I started the podcast and because Griff walked into my life, I was mm -hmm. able to walk into a different path and have a community again. Yeah. And I've been welcomed into this American world um, in a way that I didn't know that I would be. And being a woman in this space, I wasn't sure how it would go. But I've been I've had taken my fucking bumps online and I've taken my shit, but I've been able to come back twice as strong this year with more people to ever stand behind me than I ever thought would. I just never thought I would be welcomed into a community again this mm -hmm. way. And it has been such a, I know that hasn't been everyone's experience ever and always, but it's been mine and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And that's why I talk about that. Like I'm very aware I'm, I'm lucky, but I I've worked for my luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And being a part of this community means working for this community and standing up for this community and being relentless and serious about its health of its community. And I don't know what I would do without it. I found myself here. Again. I mean, it, it would be weird just talking to a microphone by yourself. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't have done it. Right. The, when I started the podcast, I had a goal in mind. Which was? Fill my cup and help my friends. Okay. I like it. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah. And as long as I know that it's helping even one person every time I put an episode out, yeah. that works for me. Word. That's it, man. That's all we have to do is be there for one another. You know what we um, – I just realized this. When the camera shut off, Yeah. I said the word inertia and then the camera shut off, which is funny. That is funny. Yeah, because it just kind of slammed into it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that works. But – I want to loop back to that because oh. I just realized that that was a complete, that was a, a complete incomplete thought. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Completely incomplete thought. We were talking about, uh, some, some mental health and, and being on the go and, and whatnot. And you had talked about 
loving doing this. Mm -hmm. And I had said that you love doing this because as running your own company and being on the go and being a mom and whatnot, this is Mm -hmm. when you actually get to stop and listen and process and intake. Yep. Yeah. So I think that, um, the, the, we're talking about kind of the mental health being everywhere right now. Right. And it being on people's plate and in their face, Mm -hmm. so to speak. I think the reason we're seeing it more now is because with less deployments going on, um, you know, it's like it's like we let off the gas all at once. Yep. And we're all signed for it, and the suitcase is hitting us in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. That's the inertia. Yeah. Like, we don't have any choice but to deal with it Yeah. at this point. Because what's the other alternative? <sighs> it's not good. Well, we're seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. On a pretty large scale. Yeah. So I, um, 22 was... A rough year for me. I lost my mom uh, just before Christmas in 21. Um, my grandparents are aging, and I'm, you know, I've got medical power of attorney for them. Uh, somebody burnt my uncle's house down. Jesus Christ! And man. he died the year before that. But I'm the, I'm the personal representative of the state because, them yeah. didn't leave a will. Lovely. Somebody torched the place, so I got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Plus, this whole th- it was a small thing. It was a blip in our company where we went public. That was kind of a big deal. If, I don't know if you've ever taken a company public before, but it, it's actually stressful for the employees as well. <laughs> I have not. Um, I hope one day to, but until then, no, I can't yeah. speak to that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there was just a lot of um, tumultuous. Uh, yeah. Tumultuity? Yeah, the energy was hard, Tumult- heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah. My world was chaotic. Mm-hmm. Very chaotic. Um. And combine all that with, uh, I had some pretty heavy psych evals right. for uh, for a court case. Not against me. Right. Um, I contracted a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, some friends um, that I used to contract with gave me a number to call. And it turned out to be a woman that I contracted with. And she was representing, she was doing intake for a law firm that was representing us. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> one thing about contracting is that, uh, you know, we don't have the, we, there's nothing from veterans affairs or anything like that. Right. And there's this misnomer that we're all, we're all getting rich over there, which is not really the case because, uh, when the military deploys, it's tax free right. When the contractor deploys, it's you're, you're up in the 40% range. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it really, I tell people, in fact, if anybody out there listening is thinking of doing that, if you just need to do it to go get your feet wet for a second, I get it. Check the block, come home. If you're looking at it to get that nest egg, don't do it. It's not. Do not do it. You're not going to benefit. Because you're going to constantly chase that. You're constantly being, you're, you will always be behind on your taxes. And if you have a family at home, don't think for a minute that they're not going to up their quality of living when they see that, that money coming. That, that, that extra zero in the bank account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just not worth it in the long run. Um, but I did see. A lot of bad shit when I was a contractor. A lot. Um, And uh, it is now documented um, by two psychiatrists that have pretty walloping case of PTSD. And that's by, like, the lawyer hired by our law firm and the lawyer hired by their law firm. So when uh, when I had that first assessment, um, 
you know, I, I know I'm a little messed up and I'm, I'm a, ter- I'm, okay, I'm okay with that. But I didn't realize that ripping that bandaid off and just getting there, like talking about everything bad that I've ever experienced from start to finish was going to be getting there and just like scrubbing that wound with a, with a hard bristle mm-hmm. brush. That's exactly what it was like. And the first time was two hours and I was, I was messed up for about three days. I don't think people understand the fallout of when you're doing exposure therapy type work. I didn't even have a name for it. I just knew yeah. I didn't, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's nasty. Yeah. It messed me up. And, um, several months go by and December rolls around and I have to do it again for opposing counsel. And this time it was six hours. Yeah. And it wasn't mean. It wasn't like an interrogation. No, but it's, it's super fucking hard on you. But when you have to explain it, I mean, he was, he was nice enough to me because he realized that, you know, this is, this is 2003 to essentially 2019. Right. That we're talking about mm-hmm. every experience I've had in there. And, uh, Man, that was really, really difficult. And that, so I've got all the family stuff and then leading right into the holidays when yeah. the person I lean on the most is on an opposite coast. It was a dark time for me. Yeah. I got some good lessons out of it, but it would be really nice not to learn those lessons. Or have to learn them that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was bad, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing all this up just so people know that, uh, I mean, I'm, I've done pretty well in my military career mm-hmm. and, um, for some people, I'm a person to look up to. Some people work with me, probably I'm a person to look down to, but <laughs> either way, I've got a platform right? and I just, I need people to know that if you're struggling, recognize you're struggling. For me, what what made the difference for me um, coming out of it or being better than I was then, and we're only talking a few weeks ago, right? is I talked to Nicole about it. My previous marriage, I completely walled off. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to expose them to anything that was killing me slowly inside because I, I saw it as poison, and I didn't want to poison my family. Right. And what I came to realize out of that hard lesson from my last marriage is you will poison everything around you if you wall it off. It's not going to help anyone to suffer in no, silence. It makes it worse. So, <clears throat> and when somebody is intimate with you and, and knows you and your, your micro uh, expressions and whatnot, mm-hmm. they can, they know when something's wrong with you. Yeah. And if you don't make yourself vulnerable to talk about it at all, I'm not super comfortable with talking about everything with Nicole. And it's not because I don't think she could handle it. She's an empath, and I just don't want to bring her down with all my bullshit all the time. But it is important that she knows when I look like I'm having a shit-ass day or and it looks more like it's a decade worth of shit that's, that's all at once, that's not her. Right. You know, that she didn't do something, and she may not be able to do anything to fix it. But we are in it together. You don't have to fix someone's problems. Yeah. But you need to show up for someone. And that yeah. can just mean sitting there mm-hmm. and saying nothing. And, uh, I mean, from a selfish standpoint, it, it, it made me feel better to let her know, that to acknowledge, saying the words to her that, hey, I'm not doing, I'm not doing so well right now. 
mm-hmm. you know, having that acknowledgement. And her, you know what, though, that meant probably a lot more to her than you realized too. Yeah. Because of your past, because of the behaviors you used to have, you're seeing them and you're changing them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that first started with the Seattle riots. Hmm. Um, when I was in and out of Baghdad um, all the time, I would come home and I would, uh, I would sleep on the couch. And it used to drive my ex-wife crazy because mm-hmm. I've just spent months gone. Wow. And now I don't even want to sleep in the same bed. And I, I could not put a reason to why that was. When, we, uh, when I came home from the riots in Seattle, I found myself sleeping on the couch. And uh, it was like, oh, it was a light bulb. It was like, aha. Mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's not you, it's me. Right. <laughs> it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. I, yeah. just, I just need to be separate for but a little while. Understanding that, though, and acknowledging that and making it known. Yeah. That, that's when you guys can grow together. Yeah. I feel like I need to um, um, expand that a little bit. Go for when it. When I say coming home from the Seattle riots, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was activated as a National Guardsman. For the oh, Seattle you weren't actually I wasn't rioting. down there rioting. Oh, no, I for sure. I think, every, I think everyone thought you were throwing Molotov cocktails. <laughs> you weren't the guy with the C7 or the M16 down the street? Uh, no, but I know John Karugi, and he's here. What? Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Why are you just giving me all this good information now? Oh, you know, it just came up in conversation. Okay, random thoughts. Yeah. I like that. We should do a segment on your show called Random Thoughts. Random where thoughts. you and I rant about random thoughts that we have. Yeah. I'm down for that. Yeah. We do live close enough together. You are in North Seattle. We are not that far. <laughs> Don't <laughs> back to that. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, the thing I do love about being friends with you, Tier, is you are always honest. And you've, since the day I met you, you've always been vulnerable with me. On the show, off the show, you've always been a good friend. And you've always showed up. Um, and it's important in saying this that people know that you can show up for others. And it doesn't have to mean that you have to be living in the same state, the same country. But you can show up for others. There's these things yeah. called phones. I don't know if anybody knows about them. They do this cool thing. You can type in these numbers, and next thing you know, it connects you with like another human anywhere uh, in the planet. You are one of my friends that makes phone calls. I'm so annoying. Oh, so God. many people. I vo- no, I, I FaceTime people. <laughs> and you send voice messages. People hate me. You don't text. You just – it's like <laughs> – I know. Zach Bell said to me the other day, he's like, I'm not fucking listening to that. He typed it out. And I said, No. I'm doing something. This is how I communicate. <laughs> um, on a serious note, though, you know, I, I've got um, a good friend, Rob, who uh, he and Evan and I were on the same Special Forces unit. Uh, he and Evan deployed to Iraq together. He's still in the Seattle area. And uh, even though a lot of our, our friends have moved out, moved on and whatnot, um, I, I was in a space uh, sometime last year. I think this is actually after that first mm-hmm. psych eval. Um, you know, it wasn't as deep and dark as this last one, but it was it was a thing. Yeah. And uh, Nicole actually reached out to him, and that's something. I mean, as a partner, she's never going to fully understand. Although she understands a lot of it, because she's a nine eleven survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you knew that or not, but that's that's something to unpack. Um, I know I've been waiting. I've been waiting to have a conversation like in person when we come down to do the show, kind yeah. of be able to sit down and have that talk. Yeah. But there's things that uh, about my uh, experiences that she'll never fully mm-hmm. understand. She, she's empathetic about it. 
um, just supportive. Yeah. So she reached out to somebody that did because we need we need somebody with those shared experiences in, in our mm-hmm. tribe. Um, and he just showed up unannounced. Like I didn't know he was coming over. Right. And he just showed up with lunch at, at our house and sat down and, and talked to me for – we didn't talk about mental health. We just – No, because you don't need to. No. We, we just talked. Yeah. And that was probably one of the best days of last year for me was – a good friend who I don't hang out with all the time, by the way. I don't think I'd seen him in a year, yep. you know, because that's what guys do. We just that's how <laughs> we, it works. We just catch up right where we left off. I know. But that was I, it was funny because he came in and I was so embarrassed. I'm like, oh, the house is a mess. I've, I don't even know if I've taken a shower in three days. Yeah. You know, I was. It doesn't matter, though. <laughs> I was being a recluse. It happens. And, uh, yeah, he just bro hugged me and sat down with lunch and we just kind of caught up with each other and made small talk and that was exactly what i needed i just needed somebody from my tribe you know uh dr john deloney he was on the podcast recently and uh i love the stuff he posts and i always tell him like things you write make sense you posted this one recently and it was very simple and it was like shut up show up bring tacos don't say anything sit down and be there that simple. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we should start a nonprofit that um, yeah. supplies tacos. Yes. To uh, friends of veterans. Oh my god. How many nonprofits do we have now? At least six. Okay, I'm down for four of them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also down for random joint episodes uh, since we live so close. Mm-hmm. Um, North what Seattle. Else? Yeah, North Seattle. Uh, what else am I down for? Uh, hunting trips. Um, I'm down for. Uh, your wife and I getting matching tattoos, um, and her and I dressing up the same as one day because we're identical. Oh my god! Yeah, you and guys, you guys are the same height. We could be like the uh, the Munchkins from um, the Wizard of Oz. You should actually dress up like uh, tag team pro wrestlers. I'm. Can I be Natalie Eva Marie though? Because she's the hottest thing since sliced bread. I, I was well, yeah. I like the hotness aspect of this. I was actually thinking more like uh, Mexican wrestling. Okay, but I'm also down for that too because I feel like <laughs> that could be. You're welcome, Black Rifle. Yeah, yeah. it's not on, but I'm looking at it. You're welcome. There's another one. God, I'm killing it with ideas today. Luchador. That's the word I was thinking of. There it is. Well, my mind is still going in French, and I had to switch to to English. Espanol. Oh my god. Oh my god. Espanol. Oh my dear. <laughs> Um, I, I love having you on tier. I think it's awesome to be able to sit and have honest conversations with friends. Um, there's a lot of things we'll be talking about on the next episode, but for now, I think the biggest takeaways from you have always been your willingness to be vulnerable and honest and open. Um, the service to community that you still do outside of actual serving your country. And I'm stoked and grateful to have you in our life and breast and unity's life and everything that you've always done to support me has been astronomical you and your wife they're you're, you're two people i'm i'm lucky to have in my life we are the sum of the five closest people and you are in that and it's nice to know that you are you are who you say you are and it so means a lot just for my own record keeping are we are we two of those or one of those i mean you're one because you guys are the same person fine i'll take it it's just like when i see her i see her with a mustache and when i see when i see you i just it's see you with a, a great rack big old set of titties yeah and great back tattoo g unit that's how it works yeah um can you tell people, though, where they can follow you again and check out your writing? And then the new sure. podcast. The allegedly. new podcast is called Allegedly. It yep. will allegedly be out in, in February of 23. Um, 
Inshallah. I could have also called it Inshallah, but I would have. Oh, I would have died. I would have been canceled have, pretty quick, I, I think. Have, I think that would have been amazing. Inshallah. Oh, welcome to Inshallah. you got to say it like that. Though, like, Inshallah. Yeah, every time that you like intro, you have to say it with the accent. Inshallah. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So February 23. Yeah, February uh, of 2023, not February 23rd. Although maybe I'll just do maybe, that. I mean, just, why not? Just because, yeah. Yep. And uh, I like that we just put a date on it because that's going to hold me accountable. Okay, 23rd yeah. of February. That's what I often need as a writer. There you go. Yep. And uh, my writing uh, is occasionally in Coffee or Die magazine, Free that's Range great. American. Um, very potentially could have something coming out in Field Ethos in the nice. next couple months. Um, and, uh, of course, I do small narrative essays on my, my Instagram, which is redleader underscore standing by. And if you're not following, go follow. There's a lot to learn. He's inspirational. He shows his truth. And I think that's the other thing we need to do more of because then everyone else will realize you can get better. I also didn't shout out to Dead Reckoning, which is the oh, only place I've actually been published. Tyler and King. And uh, Havoc Journal. God, I love those guys. Yeah. I love those guys. Yeah. They're great. Good peeps. Dead Reckoning. I love the challenges they do. I love mm-hmm. the writing one you're doing right now, the 30-day. And I, and I love what they stand for. They get people writing. They get people healing. And they mm-hmm. get people growing. And I'm stoked on those guys. So please go check out Dead Reckoning Collective as well. Yeah. Sign up for one of their uh, their webinar writing clinics. It was it was very good. I was talking I did to uh, intro to memoir. Yeah? I was actually sitting next to somebody that was in that class. Yeah. Yeah. One of those pieces that I wrote for an intro to memoir is actually going to be published. I can't wait to see. Yeah, it's not by me, by like other people. Yeah, no, it's so, a big deal. But it was awesome having it workshopped and getting feedback from the peers and whatnot. I love it, man. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you so much for giving me your time at Shot Show this year. Can I ask you to do one more thing? Go for it. So you were, we were talking about uh, nonprofits that I like. Yeah. Could you please say the name of the organization that provided you with your Shot Show pass? Uh, yeah, Boot Campaign. I just wanted to hear you say Boot. Boot Campaign. Yeah. Is that? Is that going to be my intro when I do your show? Just going to say all the Canadian words I do? Is it bo- yeah. You can just scour my podcast of hours and find all of the super Canadian words and yeah. just make a sentence. I'll, I'll have poutine. Maybe we could make it an activity when you show up. Like, I like we'll, we'll have overhead cameras and we'll be discussing things while trying to make poutine. I support this decision. Yeah. Oh, I like this. That's a good idea. <laughs> Fuck yeah. See, we're making magic when we talk. <laughs> See what happens when we just sit down yeah. and focus for three and a half seconds, Mr. TBI? I love it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Go give Tira a follow. Go check out everything he's doing. Go check out his hot-ass wife. She's a great artist, amazing human being. Um, That's that girl Nicole something. I, guess I was going to say it. I don't oh, even yeah, need to. He's got you. Everyone else, that's Tira. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.